I got Chris Farley with the fourth pick overall. Yeah. Which is, which is real. It's like getting Jordan with a third pick overall. It, I'm yeah. still kind of amazed that it happened. Honestly, he was my second pick after Phil Hartman. And that was very close to me. Like they're, they're my two top guys. Of all time. It's hard to argue. I mean, if you're going to take one out, it's tough. They're all legends. It's true. But those are my guys. So today we're talking Farley movies. Yes, indeed. So if you want a little, a little more SNL Farley, I recommend round one of the SNL cast draft. Yes. Big recommend. So this is going to come out on the 25th anniversary of his death. Does it feel like 25 years? Does that f- number feel right? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. In In the way that it doesn't is that I remember hearing about it and it blindsided me so much. I was on my way back from college and I just wasn't ready for it because my head was like, I was going home for Christmas break. So I was in a good, I was, you know, in the momentum of like, ah, time to relax and party. Mm-hmm. And now the greatest party animal of all time just died. Some would argue John Belushi, but I mean. Yeah, well, I think that was his guy. He was almost, I know. in a weird, sad way, I think he kind there was a part of him that felt like he had to go that route because that's what his yeah. hero did. Yeah, it's, sometimes I feel like he didn't intend to die at that moment, but he was just so open to it. He's like, well, if it happens, it happens. Exactly. Chris Farley, born February 15th, 1964. He passes away December 18th, 1997. So his SNL run is 90 to 95. The first film role was a little movie in 1992 called Wayne's World. His role, security guard. It's one scene. I don't even think it's a minute. And it kind of encapsulates why he's, why he's Chris Farley. There's nothing on the page, but he makes a meal out of the entire sequence. Is this Alice's limo? No, it belongs to Frank Sharp, head of Sharp Records. Good friend of Alice's. Wow, that's like way bigger than a normal-sized car. Well, it has to be. He drives everywhere. Hates to fly. He's going across the country right now to look for new acts to sign to his label. Next stop is St. Louis, and he's going to come back through Chicago on his way to Detroit. Thanks. You know, for a security guard, he had an awful lot of information, don't you think? He's he's explaining. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember what he was explaining, but he was doing it in that kind of faux military way. Like, <laughs> you put this over here, and you put that over there, and you put this over here. The way he uses arms, and then at the end of it, he's like kind of pointing in a direction. So he freezes his arm in that direction. There's a small beat, and then he just moves his arm about a half foot in the other way. Like his brain just shut off, and now it's back online. (laughs) I always loved when he did that faux serious voice. He did it also. I'm a big fan of watching him on YouTube on, on the talk shows. Specifically, Letterman or Conan. They loved him so much, and I think that made him feel even more comfortable to do to just do bits spontaneously on the show. Oh, and he did something like that with with Conan. I remember Conan because he did like a cartwheel to enter, and then he sits down and he's like, "Okay, time to be serious." And Conan's like, "You're very you're 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 a pretty physical guy, aren't you?" And and and. and he had that thing that he had in Wayne's world where he just goes, 
I like to be manhandled. I like to. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just breaks out of it and turns into the kid again. Like, <laughs> do you, do you think Newt Gingrich is going to make it? You think he's going to do a good job? You know, as speaker, you think he's going to go all the way? Conan, I'm not much of a reader. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on up down there. You know, they get me, they put a wig on me, they kick me in the fanny and say, get off there and do it, dummy. I put a red nose and floppy shoes on, and I mean, look at me. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm sorry, America. I owe you an apology. Dave Mandel is one of the writers. He wrote the whole damn thing up for me. I wouldn't know a political agenda if it came up and bit me in the fanny. Wait a I'm minute. sorry. <laughs> See, it's stuff like that where it's like, oh, wow, 25 years is such... Because you, because Conan, you know, one of my all-time guys, and now he's settled into this perfect role as a podcaster. And he still gets yes. to be Conan in a great way. You know what I mean? So when you yes. think, oh, right, when he was doing stuff with Conan 25 years ago, then it kind of hits me like, wow, he's been gone so long. Because if he's still around today, just think about all this stuff, just comedy stuff he could have been a part of and, and could still be a part of. And who knows what he's even creatively doing today? Oh, my gosh. You know, I thought the same thing recently. It's funny. Even before we uh, established this podcast, um, I showed my nephews The Wedding Singer. And I was like, there's so many different things Farley could have done in that. As as hilarious as Steve Buscemi was in that, Farley could have destroyed that as well as the, the best man speaker. I mean, it would have been incredible. The when they auditioned John Lovitz as the wedding singer, <laughs> that was that was hilarious too. I wouldn't change yeah, that. Yeah. But I'm just saying there's so many little places where Farley could have been in that movie. Oh, yeah. Like, we'll go through the movies, but it's, you know, guys from SNL just being like, well, we got to have Farley in it. So Buscemi is a good example, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. well, at some point, Sandler meets Buscemi and he's like, I love this guy. He needs to be a part of my yeah. crew. Oh. So that could have been Farley or or any of the Roy Schneider edit, like any of that stuff. Farley would have just been in all the, all their things. I mean, it was looking that way. It was already going that way with Billy Madison. Like Sandler's like, we got to have him in that. And yeah. And then Norm. Norm's first movie, Dirty Work. He's like, we got it. It's like, I'm sure there was a conversation. We got to get Farley in there. Yeah. Anytime one of the guys had their own movie going, it was just like, well, we got to get Farley in there somehow. I don't know how, but we'll bring him in. I know. I'm surprised they didn't get him. He was probably too busy, but they didn't get him for Happy Gilmore. I know. But, you know, he was making. He was making a couple movies at yeah. that time, so that's probably a ske- scheduling thing. That's, that's kind of his creative peak, that little, that brief little window. Film number two, 1993, Coneheads, as Ronnie the Mechanic. Both your parents from Europe, or? Uh-huh. When did they come to America? Uh, before I was born. Yeah, my grandfather's from the old country. Oh, really? Which one? Mm. I'm not sure. One of the big ones. I kind of forgot how big his role is. It's like a decent sized supporting role. Yeah. And I just rewatched it myself. And I remember seeing it in the theater and thinking the same thing. Like, and I will say the Coneheads role is probably the closest to himself, just the way he acted. Like, he wasn't really doing a bit, he was just playing kind of the lead romantic love interest. 
you didn't expect. But when, when he did, he was like, I'm so glad that he just, he seemed to just play it as himself. Cause the thing about Farley, it's like, it's one thing if he's, he's just the funniest guy in the room, but the thing that makes him mm-hmm. special is his sweetness was so palpable. So no, no oh, one had yeah. that, those two things at such a high level where he's the funniest, but he's also the sweetest guy. So if you have that, if you have both, then there's no one more lovable. And it's like right away, his first scene when he's at the mechanic shop (laughs) and she's like, how come this is so easy? How could you not have fixed the car? And then he, his vulnerable self right away. He's like, well, probably because I was finishing a beer. (laughs) And it's like, I already love this guy. Of course, I loved Farley from SNL, but like this, this character from Coneheads, he was like, all right, I'm on, I'm on his side. I'm in it to win it. They take the prom photo, like nearly burns his face off, but he's just smiling anyway. (laughs) Yes. And you, you, I genuinely feel bad when he, when he tries to apologize for, you know, um, hitting on her profusely and, and, you know, making a sexual Mm -hmm. advance on her. It's like, I'm with him. I'm like, I want her to forgive him right away. And she eventually does, but it's like, yeah, he's just Mm -hmm. so lovable. Say lactate extract of poop mammals. Cheese. Excellent. Good night, Mr. Misconan. Same year, 1993, a little film called Wayne's World 2 as oh Milton. <laughs> just a couple brief scenes. But his, do, you, do you recall his intro? I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm more just laughing at the, um, the whole officer and a gentleman moment <laughs> on the stage. That's, that's what always comes to mind. Why don't you just quit? I got no place else to go. Yeah, I think it's it's basically two oh. two scenes where he actually speaks. The first one mm-hmm. to remind me of the first one. They're, they're at the, the club, and he comes up and he's really he's really hyped up because he's really got it going on. And then there's a brief moment where he thinks he's okay. This this guy's happy. He's in a good place, and he screams, "I'm going to go pick a fight!" Hey, when? Hey, Garth. Hey, Milton. Hey, Milton. How's it going, man? Awesome party. Good tunes, good brew, good buddies. I feel great, man. I feel great! <laughs> I don't know, man. I hate my father. I hate my life. But I feel great, man. You guys are great. I'm going to go pick a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. And then he kind of becomes part of their crew, security guard. He's one of the, like, the teamsters on <laughs> setting up the big concert and they have that little rehearsal moment where he says because i got no place else to go (laughs) his timing on that is impeccable like mike myers comes at him with the drill sergeant like he fully takes it in and there's that amazing pause and he's just like because i got no place else to go (laughs) just the funniest vulnerability and sadness like i i saw wayne's world 2 in the theater as well and i can't remember seeing that scene for the first time but i do remember seeing it on dvd uh i, I don't know when it was like 2009 or something it had been a long time and i was like wow i haven't seen wayne's world 2 in a long time it was on in the background i was with my girlfriend or something and we were just like making lunch or something and it was on in the background we're just like oh yeah this is pretty good and then that scene came on the no place else to go <laughs> And I had to stop what I was doing and just like laugh. I, I, I was, I was, it's one of those things that blindsided me again. Like 
he 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 just comes from out of nowhere and just mm-hmm. like boom and i was laughing i had to just he he stopped me in my tracks it's like no, no this can no longer be a background movie when farley's on when he's on screen it's almost paralyzing because you're like i know something's yeah. gonna happen it's gonna be huge <laughs> gets me every time 1994 mm. airheads as wilson a cop blonde wearing something tight and black great grand wonderful again a little unhinged he's trying to control it and it goes to a lot unhinged it's uh, <laughs> a lot of great cameos in that movie it's a pretty loaded cast yeah this is the first moment because i think it's like a recurring the great grand wonderful like that sequence of words which will come up again <laughs> yes but this is another film. It's probably of under course. five minutes, his total screen time. Yeah. When they let him go, you can tell he's got his bag of tricks. The great grand wonderful is just probably one of his just default things that he says <laughs> in life. And he's just, he just reaches into that bag of tricks and it could work in any amount of scenarios. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's probably just a thing he was doing. And they're like, yeah, just, just do that. And he works so well in those scenes in Airheads because the, the cops the other cops are the, you know, the, the people in charge, the FBI and the other cops are just so st- like straight laced character. Ernie actors. Hudson. <laughs> oh God. Yes. But yeah, against Ernie Hudson and that guy Farley just, just comes off even funnier. Don't you think you're out of your league chunk style? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't want to have to bring you boys in on a one forty eight. That's obstruction. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what are you going to do about that? (laughs) (laughs) Improvise. Okay. Now we're really cooking with gas. 1995. (laughs) Billy Madison. As the bus driver. Hey, I dare you to throw your sandwich at the bus driver. Do it. Do it. Come that i'll turn this damn bus around that'll end your precious little field trip pretty damn quick huh if the oscars (laughs) the oscars had any guts or soul this would have been a a nomination it's under it's under four minutes total his whole role i could dare say the best cameo performance in a movie if it's technically a cameo, I don't know if it is, but with that amount of screen time, best that amount of screen time of a of a comedic actor. Yeah, here we go again. Another treat from the road. Grand, great banana, trick of the day. Great. I you can just when he's you can see the veins in his head when he's sweating when after the the sandwich was thrown at him. <laughs> The, the, I'll turn this damn the rage. Around. Like I can't. No matter how many times I watch it, I laugh. That that exactly what you're saying. That deserves an award for just the automatic turn this damn bus around. That'll end your precious little field trip pretty damn quick. And then he he keeps moving his mouth, so he goes into this kind of manic insanity. <laughs> I'm on board for whatever else he's doing in this movie. Oh, my God. 
He's hilarious. Just, uh, I, but my, just being in a position where you could be like, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm making my first film. I have this one little thing. Maybe I'll just bring in Chris Farley. Just that. Just like, I, I'm so unbelievably jealous to be in that position. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to have that guy who's like, yeah, I'm just going to bring him in as a bus driver. And he'll have three scenes, and each one's going to be one of the funniest scenes of the, of the like, the decade. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, I could watch that scene endlessly. And his whole journey on that as the bus driver. Well, that's just scene one. Scene two. I know. I know from experience. Yep. Again, I, this is like, I've quoted, I can't even tell you how many times <laughs> I've quoted these lines. <laughs> that Veronica Vaughn is one piece of ace. I know from experience, dude. You know what I mean? No, you don't. Well, not me personally, but a guy I know. Him and her got it on. Woo! <laughs> no, they didn't. No, 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 they didn't. But you can imagine what it'd be like if they did, right? Huh? <laughs> his whole lie falls apart in literally 25 seconds and it's just the most beautiful way to watch someone fall <laughs> apart like just lose his confidence like he's just becomes the little engine that could like he throws in anything he could do like but you could imagine <laughs> what it'd be like you know <laughs> and then he and then just another i just it continues to be a beautiful arc when he when he realizes he he's defeated and Sandler gets on the bus and then great grand wonderful everybody on good great grand wonderful no yelling on the bus and then the last scene of the trilogy of scenes from Billy Madison do you want to do it <laughs> <laughs> Sandler as Billy Madison <laughs> guesses correctly so for some reason the bus driver's there helping him study which i love they don't explain it don't explain just it. there it's so much better don't explain it don't explain it and he's right so the shirt comes off that is correct vanish armada uh 1588 that is correct And I kind of love that they leave in what is probably just the organic reaction Sandler had from watching that. Because they probably did try to shoot, you know, like Adam, all right, maybe you shouldn't be laughing. They probably tried 15 times. And you, he's just like, I'm not, I'm not going to not laugh. Just this guy, I, I don't know what to tell <laughs> yes. you. We got to move on. <laughs> oh, so good. And now we come to the peak of the mountain. <laughs> 1995. Tommy boy. You know, a lot of people go to college for seven years. I know. They're called doctors. This always has been, always will be a family firm. Oh, son of a... Someday my son will run it. Luke. Luke. I am your father. Hello. Oh, I've interrupted happy time. That's my name! Yeah, that's your new office now. Whoa! Do we really want to put the future of the company in Tommy's hands? Promise me you'll look after Tommy Boy here till he gets his feet wet. Sure, and thanks for choosing me. 
Hey, Tommy, this is not a vacation for me. I'm out here against my will, so the least you can do is pretend to work. Ugh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. All right, it's sale time, so remember, we don't take... No for an answer. No. Okie dokie. I'm gonna pass. Gotcha, thanks. Oh, son of a... That's gonna leave a mark. Okay, let's check you out. That's a clip, huh? Are you sure? Oh, damn, breathe! He's a big dumb animal, isn't he, folks? No, son of a... What'd you do? Did you eat a lot of paint chips when you were a kid? <laughs> Why? The absolute perfect movie that he could have done at that point. I think all things considered, it's just a 10 out of 10. Dad, she's a 10. It's yeah. there. It's in the line. Yeah. It's in the line. Exactly. Perfect casting. Lauren Michaels was spot on. Because as, as Dan Aykroyd said, he was developing him as a talent. And he was just molding him into this movie star, which he was destined to do cast brian dennehy as his dad yeah great like, choice the world they set up there in the first 30 minutes <laughs> of the movie it's like i am i'm in i'm in man come on get his his uh his foil there david spade it's just like most of their dialogue was based on conversations that lauren overheard them have in the office or, or other writers overheard them have in the snl office mm -hmm. it's just it's just amazing the movie has such a classic kind of 80s comedy mm -hmm. arc they don't make they don't make them anymore we talked about that on the other show <laughs> comedy is uh, as two massive fans of comedy it's uh i'm 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 at the point now honestly where i'm trying not to complain about it too much because i'm driving myself wild right but it's just the fact right. that comedy films are just like poof gone <laughs> it's like they just don't even exist it's insane and I, i'm trying not yeah. to dwell on it but it's nuts but this was one where like you know probably one of the best road trip movies in addition to one of the best comedies just the whole arc of tommy <laughs> tommy callahan it's just <laughs> there's so many little bits in it and uh and i love that the most famous bit is was born purely out of joy of farley screwing around in their snl mm -hmm. office which was fat guy in a little coat. Iconic. You know what, Richard? You don't know me as good as you think you do. I care about stuff. I'm getting better at this sales thing. Well, I'm not, but I could if you help me. Forget it. I got enough to do without having to change your diapers. Richard? Is this your coat? <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> That guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat. Don't. <laughs> that guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat. Take it off, dickhead. I'm serious. Richard, what's happening? Uh oh. Well, I, again, I showed it to my nephews uh, probably like five years ago, and that's whenever they think of it. They, that's what they quote 
fat guy in a little coat. That's just, it's, it's iconic. Yeah. The, the, the movie is Farley in the way that we talk about how he has the perfect blend of comedy and sweetness. I mean, it's really impressive because it's not easy to do that. It really isn't to, 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 to walk the line between sweet and funny to nail Farley's what make the core of what makes him so lovable. This movie really does it kind of perfectly. I don't know how else they could have done it better. Oh yeah. Like after the, the father dies, like it's, it's genuine him in that boat, like saying he's really going to miss him. Like there's nothing really funny about that. It's just genuine. And it's, it's, it's like real and it's heartbreaking. My dad gave me this boat. We'd come out here late at night when there's no one else on the lake. And then he'd be over there on the shore and he'd yell, quit playing with your dinghy. <laughs> I'm gonna really miss him. Your father was a great guy. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought me out here. Can't believe you wanted to. Although it's pretty fun. If we had some wind. <laughs> Can't believe there's no wind. You need wind, because it, um... Helps it, push the sail. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are you going to do now? I don't know. But I got to do something. And... I don't know what. Man, do I sound like an idiot. <laughs> no. And then it's you 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 counterbalance that with just when he does do hits in it, like when he walks when he walks by the girl in the in the oh motel God. and he's just basically doing a character saying, You will away from us. And he just puts on this like weird kind of jock voice. And it's just amazing. Hi. Hi. Tommy Scram, don't give her the weight room thing. You know where the weight room is? I'll check it out. Sorry. <laughs> Idiot. It's, it's, I mean, I'm trying to think if there was a thing that was more quoted by my high school friends than Tommy Boy. I don't think, I think this is, I think this has the belts. I don't even think anything was close to this. Yeah, for me, it, for me, it was this and Billy Madison. They both came out in yeah, 95. Oh, right? 95. Yeah. Yeah. That Those were the, my movies then. Those were probably, same with you, John. Same, most quoted those most. I just loved his energy all the time. And they just let him go with it. And I loved, like, another another sequence I loved the most was when he was, when he met Rob Lowe. And he's just immediately this big little brother teddy bear just like brother's got a hug <laughs> brother i'm gonna have a brother i've always dreamed about having a brother speak of the devil brother <laughs> brother i'm paul you must be tommy brothers don't shake hands brothers got a hug <laughs> <laughs> And that classic comedy setup of them being in a field and, and he's like, look at this pretty little maids all in a row. <laughs> I mean, the this we could go the man of scenes. So you met you mentioned the first, <sighs> the like the genuinely kind of heartbreaking one where he shows his chops. Yeah. And that's when whenever I talk about like yep. if he was still around, you know he's pulling out 
because he well we'll talk about it later but he would have he already wanted to go into drama towards the end of his actual career so you can imagine what he would have done in the 25 years since but the desktop demo when he's trying to do the pitch in front of the guy with the cars (laughs) yes and one of them catches on fire (laughs) our new brake pads are really cool you're not even going to believe it like um Let's say you're driving along the road with your family, and you're driving along, la la la, woo. And then all of a sudden, there's a truck tire in the middle of the road, and you hit the brakes. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> now let's see what happens when you're driving with the other guy's brake pads. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden, the kids are yelling from the back seat, I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy. Not now, damn it. Truck tire. I can't stop! Ah, help! There's a cliff! Ah, and your family's screaming, Oh my God, we're burning alive! No, I can't feel my legs! Here comes a meat wagon! And the medic gets out and says, Oh my God! New guy's in the corner puking his guts out! All because you want to save a couple extra pennies. And <laughs> to me, it doesn't get out. Now. Sir. <sighs> Do you validate? No. And he's just scr- so much screaming. So much screaming. So much I screaming. You know, like you said, this is based off Farley and Spade's real life dynamic. And this is also the best use of Spade, yep. too. So yep. to capture those two energies, which are very different but go so perfectly together in the way that comedy movies used to, where it's like, we'll do the yin and the yang, but you put them together and it's comedy gold. No question. Thank you. I'm back. Richard, what were you doing? Going over some documents. Where are they? Jeez, I don't see them. They're in my briefcase. I thought you were getting pizza. They were closed. How could you be reading documents when they're in your briefcase? Hmm, that's a mystery. <gasps> Richard, were you watching Spanked Revision? Okay, then, let's hit it. Maybe you were watching a movie with that funny comedian. Oh, what's his name, buddy? Whack it? All right, then, let's get some shut-eye. Hey, that's a pretty girl down there. Good for her. Jeez, I wonder if she goes out with one of the Yankees. There's the <laughs> the sailboat scene when they get stuck. They're not moving. And the kids start mocking him for it. And he hits his breaking point. And that, in a breaking point that only Farley can do. I know. And it's it's even more <laughs> hilarious because you, you kind of empathize with him because he's obviously trying to impress yeah. the girl. And it's just even more embarrassed. So his screaming is coming out of an even more embarrassed, sad place. But it's just so loud and angry. It's the initial restraint. Like, I'm trying to be a cool, nice, sweet guy here. But these kids. (laughs) Yes. Sorry about this wind. I can't believe there isn't any wind out here. This is ridiculous. No, it's great. It's very peaceful. Hey, Tomo! Yeah, need a little wind here. No, you need to drop a couple hundred pounds, Blimp. <laughs> Rascals. <laughs> I guess that's your theory. <laughs> so we'll see what happens tomorrow. Hey, your cell is limp, like your dick. Watch your language in front of the lady, punk. Jeez. 
you were saying? Hey, Gilligan, did you eat the skipper? You better pray to the god of skinny punks that this wind doesn't pick up, because I'll come over there and jam an oar up your ass. <laughs> There's another so horrible good. sales pitch uh, that leads Farley to declare his whole life sucks. Hey, I tell you what. You can take a good look at a butcher's ass by sticking your head up there, but wouldn't you rather take his word for it? <laughs> what? I'm uh, failing to make the connection here, son. No, I mean, you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a butcher's ass, but then, no, it's got to be your bull. Wow. Here's the deal. If I want you... You have derailed. Shut up, Richard. Boy, I'm really at a loss for words here. Forget it, I quit. I can't do this anymore, man. My head's about to explode. My whole life sucks. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm going. My dad just died. We just killed Bambi. I'm out here getting my ass kicked, and every time I drive down the road, I want to jerk the wheel into a goddamn bridge in Buntman. Uh, I will dare say the most quoted scene of all time while in the car with another person. If you want to change it, you can. Oh, God, yes. Hey, good tune, man. I don't think so. Yeah, here we go. This song sucks. Talk about lame. <laughs> totally. You can change it if you want. I don't care. It's up to you. I can live with it if you can. Suit yourself. Yep, cut to them full belting it out, belting out the song. It's <laughs> no shame anymore. I love it. There's go time when oh. Farley and Spade have meet their wits ends with each other. And after nearly dying in a car crash, they pull over and fight. It's such a great ping pong of a scene. Spade thinks he's nailing it with that. Like, help, mommy. <laughs> he's coming out to the car. They're getting too close. The zoo animals are getting too close. It's like, of course, he does another fat joke. Oops. He pings, pings, pongs it back. Oh, little boy, too afraid to get out. He's like, that's it. Such a great ex escalation. Because you want to see them fight. You know what I mean? You're waiting for yep. it. Go time. You and me. Look, Mommy, the rhino's getting too close to the car. Him too afraid to get out. He just a little guy. That's it, big boy. I'm going to wail on you. You're going to regret volunteering for this job, Porky. Hey, boys and girls, it's Papa Smurf. You don't want none of me. Think it through. Come on, give me your best shot. I'll give you a free one. Let me have it. That's it? Come on, you can do better than that, can't you? Captain Limpress, try again. Hey, everybody, is there a window open? I feel a draft. Huh? <laughs> ah. If I want to kiss, I would have called your mother. Come on. I know, and it does, and that, and the perfect comic reaction to a two by four, which is the the ultimate heightening. And he's like, "That's a good one." What does he say to him after after the first punch? If I wanted a kiss from your mother, <laughs> it's the second one that I love the best. I feel a draft. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then right away after that scene, again, this is like perfect, the writing and the staging of the scene. It doesn't hurt here or here so much. For right here. I'm sorry. So sorry. Richard, do I have a mark on my face? It really hurts. Nope, nothing. I thought I hit you on the shoulder. My shoulder doesn't hurt very much, but my face does. Right here. Not here or here so much, but right here. Nope. Ship shape. Waitress, could I get that shrimp cocktail I saw in the glass case? Yep. And you, what can I get? Jesus, what happened to your face? I knew it. Just the one dark line across the side of the face where the two by four is perfectly implanted on his face. <laughs> oh, and and his childlike innocence when he when he busted the door and spade <laughs> rips the door off. What'd you do? Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, this was always my movie. Like I did, I saw my dad rented planes, trains, automobiles, and I remember liking it. So I was like nine or, or, or probably 10 when he rented it. I was 10. And I remember laughing because I love John Candy mm-hmm. and Steve Martin, but I felt closer to Spade and Farley, probably because of SNL. I just felt like they were my guys every week. So by this time, I'm like, you know, all in. Yeah, I, we talked about this on the SNL draft but farley i mean those guys in general but farley like you would have thought the way we talked about farley in round one that we actually knew him that we were talking about a friend of ours (laughs) who passed away 25 years ago and he and i know it's because these other guys are still around so obviously you can't talk about them in the same way but there is there isn't another person from that era who you felt that close to that like comfortable with that excited to see it's it's that vulnerability again it's like looking back on those youtube youtube rabbit holes that i go on of farley on talk shows like he was just always always that guy that you just wanted to hang out with and be friends with and no one's ever said a bad word about him there's no skeletons in his closet his own demons were his own demons he didn't take it out on anybody else no no exactly it's like he, he was, he just wanted the party to keep going and he wanted everybody around him to be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what this movie is, right? It's, it's, it's that, it's like almost visceral experience of just joy. Like whatever you need me to do for a laugh, I'm in. Yeah. And he did. So Rotten Tomatoes, this might be in, ter- in terms of critics versus audience, not even just on, on yeah. the website, but just personally, anecdotally, in terms of a, in yeah. terms of a gap. I think Tommy Boy is number one. This was like mm-hmm. not a well-liked movie by critics at all. It's at 41% currently. The audience has it at 90%. This is, I mean, if you're making a most beloved comedies of the decade list, I, I couldn't tell you one friend in my life who wouldn't have Tommy Boy in the top 10. Yeah, I've got, I've got a, a buddy of mine from the Boston Improv who's, who still says today it's the best comedy ever made. Just the amount of scenes and quotes. And that one, yeah. that specific era of the, of these two guys and this guy specifically, it's like, we're, we're just going to hold on to this. So no matter how far we, we get from, from it, it still feels, still feels like we're in it, you know, like time hasn't passed. And there's no scene that feels like it's shouldn't be there. Like there's nothing that I would take out of it. Mm-hmm. 
And there's nothing really that I think needs to be added to it. And even like the sweetness of it doesn't feel forced. No. Yeah, that, that the ending when he's on the boat again. Yeah. It's like feels like it's coming full circle and it's it's one of the most perfect comedies. Dad, got a little problem here. I've been stuck out here for an hour with no wind again. I'm supposed to be at Michelle's for dinner. <laughs> so if you give me a little help, I'd appreciate it. If not, don't worry about it. I'm trying to do everything I think you'd be doing. And so far, it's going pretty good. I just want to tell you that I still love you, and I sure miss you a lot. He was very close with his dad in real life, too. Oh, yeah. So I think, obviously, he gravitated to the role even harder because it was such an ease for him. It's like, well, I'm I'm this guy. I have this connection with my dad. So to imagine the dad yes. passing away is like he could tap in. Oh, definitely. Is that for me, dad? <laughs> no, son, that's for me. Bo Derek. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that was a good little writing, good little twist that. Like a guy's pretending to be your son, but really in real life, they're like con artist lovers. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that kind of like fish called Wanda, like deception between like lovers and friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I liked it. But yeah. So many good things about Tommy Boy. So gross 8 million in its opening weekend, finishing first. The box office had a total gross of 32.7 million. Not bad for out of the gate. It's, uh, summer 1995. Right? Yeah. Spring. Yeah. Okay. And now we're going to start to come down the hill a little. Because you can't get higher than that. <laughs> right. Again, it's... No. And I, did, I forgot that Tommy Boy and Billy Madison are the same year. So, the, I mean, it's <laughs> like, I don't know how... It's all, I almost feel selfish wanting more than that right away. It's like, well, mm -hmm. you, man, you gave me what I needed. Like, what am I... What else do I... No, I, can't, I can't ask more from you. You're right. <laughs> so, 96, Black Sheep. Yes. Lauren Michaels produced the film, which was directed by Wayne's World director Penelope Spheris. Michaels later said that the film was an act of desperation by Paramount in that the movie studio had underpromoted Spade and Farley's 1995 film Tommy Boy and was now looking to profit from the same comedy formula. Michaels had contentious battles with the studio over the script of 93's Wayne's World 2. And the animosity between the two camps spilled over into Farley's contract with Paramount. Although his agent lined up possible roles for the actor in The Cable Guy as The Cable Guy, for which he was offered $3 million, and Kingpin in the Randy Quaid role. But the movie studio remained firm on wanting another buddy comedy with Farley and Spade. That kind of hurts. I want all three. I want all three, too. I want all three of them. I mean, I love the cable guy. We'll go to bat for it till the end of time. But I'm like, I would watch both versions. I love them both. The thought of sad Farley and cable guy, my God. That's what I mean. Like he would have, it would have been him trying to go dark. And like, I just want to see that. Yeah. And I'm with you. I'm cable guy. And King, I love Kingpin. Kingpin's one of my, one of my other favorite comedies of that whole era. That's my favorite Farley Brothers movie. Oh, is it? <laughs> it's it is. It's, it's hard my to favorite. argue. They 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 hit it 
so on the head with Kingpin. Like I, I did. <laughs> I like all their other stuff. Like Dumb and Dumber's great. That's, Something about that's my number they're, one they're, is Dumb and Dumber of of, of the the Fairleys. Yeah, Dumb and Dumber and Kingpin. They just feel so lived in. Like I was like, these are real people to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like uh, they they got me to hate Bill Murray in Kingpin. <laughs> Big Earn. I just hate. I just wanted. I was so mad that he lied and and got uh, Woody Harrelson's hand Ugh, cut up. That's still I, hard I was, to watch, isn't it? I'm yeah. heartbroken. It's such such good filmmaking. But to think of Farley as the, uh, I haven't really pondered on that too much. I really loved Randy Quaid. Like I love the way he played the comedy. Like he was very just uh, effusive. And when he's like, "Oh, I'm Amish. I don't. I don't do that." And, and he's like. Oh, in that case, I'll have a uh, two creams, no sugar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, just his his delivery was on point. But Farley, de- yeah, definitely would have brought like a younger kind of kind of mind frame to it, a, a more of an even more of an innocence than than Randy Quaid put to that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. Because part of the joke is that Randy Quaid does look just too old to be this like Amish sweet boy. But in '96, mm-hmm. Farley to a T, he would have looked like. What they probably envisioned initially. Right. Right. Yeah. Missed opportunity. That's a bummer. uh, Yeah. It's a bummer. But Black Sheep, I feel like I love 60 to 70% of Black Sheep. Like they were almost there. Like they had all those those elements, like I was talking about earlier, like an 80s comedy of like the reality of, of him really wanting his brother to win the election. And you've got a villain on the other hand, played by Christine Ebersol. I was like, yeah, they had all the elements of like a classic 80s. Like, I mean, there were a lot of movies like, you know, the slobs versus the snobs. And this was kind of a a political version of that, where Tim Matheson and and Farley and his campaign were like the underdog. And and Christine Ebersol came off as like Hillary Clinton, like establishment. Like, like I like that aspect of it. Um, And I thought there were some great, stuff in there like his character we're talking about the 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 sweetness from tommy boy right the the sincere sweetness i don't know about you but that that has always stayed with me that heartbroken heartbreaking moment when tim matheson asks if he's if farley is trying to sabotage him Mm -hmm. and he's like if you honestly believe that i just want to die and it was like it's still it's right now giving me chills like Cause it's like so sad. Like he's, he's literally living to, to please his brother. It's kind of a, uh, an allegory to his real life. He's like, he lives to make people happy. So that was such a true element of that. And that scene, especially when they butted, butted heads through his own folly. And then, then being sabotaged by the villain. It's like, it was just the perfect storm of like, you know, I love you, my brother, but you're just such a, such a train wreck that you're ruining my campaign. It's like, I like that element of the story. Yeah, it was just tough because it's literally the same. It's the next year with the same two guys. Yes, right. So it was so yeah. hard to not go in with these sky high expectations. True, and and the conversations could have been interchangeable. Like yeah. the like could have been the same characters from Tommy Boy. Yeah, and plus, famously, I think Penelope and uh, did not think Spade was funny. So they did not get along well. No, <laughs> so it was clear that she kind of just cut around him. And didn't really let him stretch his legs as much as Farley did. So then maybe there was an imbalance there. I will I will say that, that as as much as fat guy in a little coat, I <laughs> <laughs> I think his 
his lesson to the kids about the dangers of doing drugs <laughs> is probably my most quotable from Black Sheep. <laughs> smoke and snort and shoot. Smoke and snort and shoot and suck and poke and pop and drop and that's kind of what i go to that, that and then his his failed campaign phone calls <laughs> that whole montage hi there this is mike donnelly i work over here at the recreational center to be honest with you i pretty much run the place <laughs> is this uh pat giles good good hey i hope everything's going great in your fine town of uh avery atwood <laughs> Say, the reason I'm calling is I wanted to tell you a little bit about the candidacy of Al Donnelly. Al Donnelly's a guy with a dream. His dream is to become governor of this great state of Washington. Hell, every guy's got his dream, am I right? Between you, me, and the wall, I had a doozy myself last night. <laughs> Get this. A corn-fed harvest mouse, a hooker, a nun, a Flemish peasant woman, whips chains, whistles yo-yos, a circus midget, my grandmother riding by on a bicycle, give me the finger, and a duck. Now, I don't know. <laughs> Are you crying? Oh, my Lord. I am sorry, honey. Please don't. Could you get your daddy on the phone? Oh, my God. Are you crying? <laughs> <laughs> well, we mentioned the scene in the SNL draft where he gets pulled over. How you doing, buddy? Transporting a prisoner. 12th Precinct up in Buckley Town. My sergeant didn't give me any overtime, so I'm trying to do it lickety-split. Tell me, officer, do you have any idea how fast you were going? Well, I got a 426 Hemi in her. Three-quarter cams, nitro boosters. I can get her up to as good as 155. Never do, though, of course, unless I'm chasing a cute chicken a Ferrari. <laughs> I guess I was going about 65 tops. Seven. Seven miles an hour. And normally when I stop people, they pull onto the shoulder. Yes. <laughs> Kill Whitey was, uh, for probably oh 10 God. years, was quoted at very in inappropriate times by many different friends I've had over the years. <laughs> Every time I watch it. Yes, that scene just, it's so good. And it's, he says it so clearly and so loudly. And then the guys in the back like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you got to fight for your right. To vote! That's one small step for man, one giant. I have a dream! Power to the people! So Black Sheet made $32.4 million, oddly, oddly close to what Tommy Boy made. So pretty decent considering. Yeah, I definitely saw it in the theater. And I Farley even, went even harder with the physical comedy in that one. Like that, like falling down that giant hill. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, God, how is he not like in the hospital right now? Yeah. I remember someone 
someone was giving him and Spade an interview shit about the decline of SNL. And he and Farley was like, well, if you woke up, something like if you woke up with as many bruises as I did on Sunday morning, I don't think you would question our intent to make a good show. A lot of negative publicity going around with the show this year. People have said this cast doesn't care as much as the cast in the past. Well, I know I wake up every Sunday morning with aches and pains and bruises from falling on tables and trying to do the best I can. And we all do. Right. These guys are like, you know, he's like literally killing himself to try to make people entertained. I know. What is that, John? Like, why? I feel like the 94-95 season, just everybody started turning on SNL. It was certainly the first time I was aware of this continuous attack. Every it's it's like this highbrow kind of pretentious, like oh you you weren't as good as back in my day. I'm from the right. golden area, golden era. What you guys are doing are just, it's just like clownish. And you see it it comes up every now and then, like oh SNL it's it's dying because it's a po- it's an easy headline to click on True. because it, it's so it's this mammoth comedic institution that everyone is aware of. So it's easy to attack. But yes, that specific era, which was like, my, that's like the thing I cling to with SNL is that era of those guys, that crew. And that was the first time I remember hearing like, oh, SNL is dying. This can't sustain. And then that's, you know, we're going to be 30 years soon. So it's like, yeah, what do those people know? Clearly not. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't know if it was the time I was born in, but to me, it's it's always been just like the ocean. It's just ups and downs. It's like strikes and gutters, man. You know, it's like I I can look at any season and say that is a terrible sketch, but also in the same season be like, that's an awesome sketch. The show is like each episode. It's like if you get two good sketches, that's great. Yeah. And it's just I think people just associate that with like a time period instead of, you know, kind of let it be its own thing. I don't know. But yeah, he had he had just left by then. Right. He ended. Ninety five was his last year. He left at the spring of 95. Yeah. And then he just uh, exploded into movies. Yeah. Another annoying thing about the whole SNL's dying. It's like, compared to what? I know. What, what, I is, know. what is the other show that's been going 50 years strong? What, like, give me, give me a comparison. <laughs> what do we, I know you're so right, John. It's like people feel how quickly we owe them or, or SNL owes them like quality that they want the specific kind of comedy they, like all right well guess what in 95 quincy jones quincy jones came up with mad tv yeah so go watch that That's yeah i know <laughs> there there's your answer <laughs> yeah it's just this like greedy snobbish yeah it'll happen it'll happen again in a couple of years you know yeah definitely there'll be a whole there's a whole new wave exactly i'm with you john uh so another so by the way i'm seeing all of these movies in the theater i saw black shape in the theater yeah me too. I 1000% the 1997 saw Beverly Hills Ninja in the theater. I did not. Well, <laughs> the tagline on the poster. You ready for it? Yeah. <laughs> Kung Fu. Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> it's at, at this point, it's almost like it's like if my cousin, my cousin needs to stop drinking. I still love my cousin. I just, right, right. you know, it's like Beverly Hills Ninja. Is it a great film? No. Is it kind of, is it goofy? Of course. Did parts of it make me laugh? Yeah. But it's so innocent and it's so, by no means did it make me upset. You know? Okay. I just missed it. I was senior year of high school. I don't know. I was probably, there's no reason why I shouldn't have seen it. I just 
it just went off my radar and then i just hadn't didn't watch it until later and there is that one scene that gets me when they let him do his thing when he becomes chet walters hey how you doing chet walters mr danley <laughs> say nice jacket who shot the couch <laughs> it's funny mr walters uh you ready to go you betcha say your buggy or mine uh, mine i think okay Whoa, gotta get the gear here. Can't start an operation without the gear. And here we are, off to the wild blue yonder. Mr. Walters, you don't mind, do you? A small precaution. Oh, mind? Hell no, I don't mind. It makes you feel more comfortable. I just want to know one thing. How are you going to drive with that on? It's for you. Right, of course it is. Hey, let's play pin the tail on the donkey. Who's got the pinata? <laughs> you hear about the lady that backed into the van? Made a disaster. Disaster. Mr. Walters, <laughs> I don't care. Okay, you bet. I just got one question for you. Who shot the couch? <laughs> <laughs> can't do can't do a god job without the gear. And just this oh, when he does those like those military thinking type businessmen, like you, you you can tell he's just like channeling his dad. And that that one scene, yeah, where absolutely. he he's puts on the mustache and just becomes that kind of like hard work ethic businessman. I, I, when he when he plays those, it reminds me of Matt Foley. And see, I would I would have preferred a movie with just that guy. Well, that was part of Tommy Boy's thing. Is like we're gonna we're gonna make a real world, but we're gonna put you in it. Yep, it's like going back to the cable guy thing. It's like that's such a specific mm. guy. So if you restrain, yeah. if you restrain Chris Farley, like I just want to see that. <sighs> yeah, because you know we're going to Beverly Hills Ninja. At this point, it's like Chris, just do whatever you want to do, man. This is I your know. movie. Just go nuts, which we love. But I agree, it would have been interesting to see him restrained, because then then he has to then his personality is going to come out in weird corners, which would be so interesting to watch as a viewer. But in a, another way, he was just. He was restrained in a bad way by the script. And the mm-hmm. script, I think, was just weak. Yeah, that's what it was. The script was really bad. It was just I think it was just kind of haphazardly thrown together. Yeah. Let's just strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. It's again, it's like it's such an easy poster. Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. Yeah. You I know, know, it feels like something you would see in the critic. Like we're just gonna we'll get we'll get people <laughs> to come. Exactly. Oh man. It topped the North American box office opening weekend with 12 million, went on to gross almost 38 million. So people are still coming out. I was one of those people. So this one, I did not see in the theater because the word was out pretty much in advance. So I just steered clear. I know it exists. It's like Rocky Five. I know it's out there. It's Godfather Three. I know it's out there. Just going to (laughs) pretend it's not. And I'm going to go it. Now you took the plunge. Recently, as a dedicated podcast partner, you took the plunge. Go, the floor is yours, whatever you want to tell me. It's about, it's Almost Heroes in 98. Almost Heroes, the posthumous movie, the last starring role of Chris Farley. It had, uh, okay, on, I remember when it was coming out. On paper, it was like, I'm in. I love it. Uh, Matthew Perry as Chandler, always my favorite friend, always the funniest to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Chris Farley, my favorite, my favorite cast member of the mid '90s, along with Phil Hartman, of course. But Farley was all right. Nervous, neurotic Perry versus goofy, childlike <laughs> Farley. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could see it. Yeah. yeah, it might be similar. They might have a similar kind of ish vibe to He and Spade. I mean, it won't be as personal. Uh, it won't feel as personal because it's not Spade, but it's it's 
Matthew Perry. Um, but ultimately, again, the script was horrible. <laughs> they they were just hoping that the, the the chemistry between Matthew Perry and Farley could save the script, and unfortunately, it couldn't. Mm-hmm. It felt like it felt like it was trying to be Blazing Saddles, like it was trying to rekindle that kind of Western, old school America gung ho spirit of um of like western comet westerns type comedy Mm -hmm. and it just it just wasn't like farley's character it almost it was it was kind of sad because it just felt like he was reading cue cards yeah um i think he was going through issues at this point off off camera and maybe that was part of it he just didn't seem connected to that to the the character who was just like a a town drunk Mm -hmm. which he could have made play very well but the script didn't help him any. And Matthew Perry was kind of one note the whole time. This What a missed opportunity also, I must say. Because halfway, I mean, at the beginning, I had forgotten that Christopher Guest directed this movie. I had no idea until today. <laughs> oh Christopher Guest? <laughs> yeah. Eugene Levy shows up. Equal, equally unfunny in this. <laughs> Who's, I also think, is a genius. But halfway through the movie, when I was bored with the dialogue, and the plot i just thought like oh man if this were like i'm sure there was a lot of studio involvement but if they just let christopher guest kind of make do it in his style like that mockumentary style Mm -hmm. and if he let perry and farley ad lib more it probably would have been a much better movie yeah but they did it narrative style they did it if he had done it in the style he did like spinal tap best in show mighty wind and mm-hmm. if you just let Farley be Farley, <laughs> yeah, they just didn't. They just, they just, it was so obvious that he was just reading, like trying to do justice to the script, which just, you could not do justice to. I'm yeah. sorry. The ending was so unsatisfying. I just, I was like, wow, this could not get any worse. <laughs> so this is what one of the film's producers, Denise DeNovi, she was reflecting yeah. on the failure of, of the movie. This is what she said. Quote, the script was brilliant. We even hired Christopher Guest to direct it. I thought so many times about what went wrong. I always like to say I have the distinction of making the only unsuccessful Christopher Guest movie. (laughs) You never know with movies. It's kind of like alchemy. The chemistry just didn't work. It had all the right actors, had a great director, a great script. But I think the tone of the comedy was very odd. It almost read better than it played. It wanted to be quirky, British, Black Adder type of comedy. And here we had Chris Farley and Matthew Perry. It was just a weird combo. That checks out. Yeah. I definitely checked. Yeah. It was almost like hearing that it felt like Christopher Guest trying to do a Mel Brooks type movie. Mm. That's what it felt like. And it just did not work. Which is not his style at all. No, I know. And, and like Farley doesn't, when you think of it, Farley doesn't fit into the kind of Christopher Guest comedy sensibility. No, that might've been the poison in the sauce to begin with. Yeah. Just wrong cast, wrong director. But I'm surprised to hear that she thought the script was brilliant. Because I just, I, <laughs> yeah. I can't think of one. I can't think of one scene that is memorable. It's just, I mean, there's the physical comedy of Farley in the in the tree trying to steal ostrich eggs, and that's just <laughs> by itself. It's just, you know, it's just a visual kind of fun thing to watch him try, yeah, and scream and fall down a tree. So that might have made me chuckle a little bit, but it was like wasn't connected to like a great story like tommy yeah. boy yeah. yeah just kind of haphazardly thrown together i think that's the vibe i'm i get from it yeah 
Yep. So by the time Almost Heroes came out, Chris Farley had been dead for nearly six months. Fortunately, this is not his last film. Oh my gosh. Thankfully. 1998. <laughs> a picture called dirty work i felt good about myself back then you know if somebody messed with me no problem i didn't take crap from anybody now i'm in my 30s i can't hold a job i go out with women i don't even like and worst of all i take crap from absolutely everybody now well things could be worse you know i uh, i could have got my nose bit off by a saigon whore you Hey, I'm just messing with you, Jimmy. I saw you down there. Hey, Mazzetti, got Jimmy a beer on me. Okay. Yes. What? what <laughs> we couldn't. You couldn't have painted a better way. If he had to go out, I'm so glad it was this. Me too. Hundred and ten percent. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have trouble. Deci- I have trouble deciding between this and Billy Madison. Like which was the more epic kind of Chris as a as a side character? It's Frazier versus Ali. It, those two performances. <laughs> yes. I don't know who wins. I you could. I don't know know if there is a right answer. Yep. Just out of the gate, he very similar to Billy Madison. You don't know anything about this character, and I don't want to. Don't tell me anything. <laughs> but you already love him. <laughs> And all of his choices make sense, and they're all hilarious, like from the get-go. I guess things could be worse. (laughs) I could have my nose bitten off by a Saigon whore. And his turn towards the camera. Stone-faced. You bastard! (laughs) And then, I'm just kidding, get him a beer. And then he's immediately back to that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all is forgiven right away. Yeah, goofy little brother charm and energy. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then there's a fight that's going to break out in the bar. So Farley wants to set the mood. Oh, my God. Just the nuance. (laughs) The nuance of the way he says that. Like, no one else would think to say, hell, yeah. Street fight, Rolling Stone, street fighting man, G7. Looks like there's gonna be a brawl. You playing something good? Hell yeah! Rolling Stone, street fighting man, G7. You just hit G8. If you like pina coladas, like no one, no, could bring that much charisma comedy and joy to one freaking line and steal the scene steal the entire scene and then the perfect cherry on that scene sunday the guy blank face says you just hit g8 <laughs> and farley immediately goes cold and freezes oh, yes he goes from a 13 to a two <laughs> and no one can do that better than him ever yep He's just, he becomes a caged animal again. And he's just like, oh. <sighs> God, I don't know how you pick. The, do you remember the scene where Norm is asking Farley if he can stay with him? He's like, well, you, see, you know, see, the thing is this. Say, listen, pal. You ever need anything? I mean, anything at all. 
you come to me. Can I stay at your place tonight? Well, see, the thing is this. I, uh, I live over at the Y, as you know. Um, I got a roommate, old Jack, who is a little particular when it comes to strangers. Oh, yeah. Well, no problem, Jimmy. Thanks. He just got his knee drained last week. Uh, that's all right. I'll find another place. Me needed it too. That thing was getting a little bit right. <laughs> I get the picture. Maybe I'll just leave my car. <laughs> Old Jack's an odd duck, I tell you. Um, many times I catch him staring at me sleeping, which is off-putting. Yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah. His feet bleed. I don't want to stay at your place. Point taken. <laughs> It just, and the story just gets more weird. And like, I love Farley just like trying to be good natured about it, but he also knows how screwed up it is because he's like, ah, Jack, he's an odd duck. Like, he's almost like trying to secretly use Norm as a therapist. Like, these yeah. things aren't okay, right? His feet bleed. <laughs> His feet bleed. <laughs> the perfect detail to reveal in that moment. He's just. He's just like using Norm as a therapist. I never thought about it that way, but he's just like, yeah, I don't like he's trying to like say that he's not okay with his safety right now. Like this guy, Jack, is just going to kill him. <laughs> Any window of detail that Farley lets into Jimmy's life is just off the charts perfect. Yes. He paints a yes. full world with these little yep. details. And his knee drain last week. And a uh, good thing, too. That thing was getting a little <laughs> bit right. Oh. Hey, there's Mitch on TV. <laughs> hey, look, there's Mitch on TV. Oh, yeah, there's Mitch. And there's the Saigon whore that bit my nose off. Damn, slut. Well, well, well. We meet again. Nosebiter! Time to pay the fiddler, whore! And there's the Saigon whore who bent my nose off. And this is another thing. This is like classic comedy heightening 101. When he runs up and sees the Saigon whore in the trunk of the car, mm -hmm. he has the anger going. He's like, so we meet again. And he goes, time to pay the fiddler whore. <laughs> Like he's like he probably thought I can't say I can't say what everyone thinks I'm going to say like is pay the piper yeah so he just chooses fiddler <laughs> just just to just to make it even feel more out of left field that this guy would oh my god you're right it's like I don't want to know anything more than they had about that character mm -hmm. like maybe I do but I'm so glad that they just had this they just paint a picture of like what how the hell did these two meet mm -hmm. and like i don't want to know but i just love that it's so farley just is such a good actor that he made it feel so specific yeah like he made it feel like they they actually were going to get married at the end yeah absolutely and that's what the this crew of guys this is why we love them so much the, yeah. the farley's the sandlers the norms they would utilize the randomness in a good way that didn't feel arbitrary like it 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 worked. It, it, it felt cohesive. It wasn't just like, you know what? Our script is kind of weak. Can we have someone come in and just improvise for three minutes? It, it, was, right. it was utilizing talent in a, in a way that felt organic that you don't see anymore, really. No, you're right, John. The closest thing that happens 
what you just said, Judd Apatow just has his friends come in and improvise. Yeah. With him, it's just all reference humor. Yeah. It's all like, oh, my grandmother looks like Jack Palance. <laughs> oh, you're old. You look like Tom Selleck. Oh, what, what kind of sweater does that person wear? What is you trying to get him to dress like Melissa Etheridge? Yeah. I mean, and it's not not funny sometimes, but it's like, it's not rooted in anything. It didn't feel like it was rooted in much. It was just kind of, you could feel like the flabbiness of the improv. The story would stop in these Apatow movies. Yeah. It just felt padded on. Right. As opposed to these moments where it feel, where it enriched the world. Yes, exactly. Like who the, like this this guy, this Farley character, dirty work. It's just like <laughs> you get these little glimpses into like how screwed up his life is. It's so great. Because then you know more yeah. about Norm and Artie. And it, it builds <laughs> their characters out too, because you think, well, how the hell did they know each other? <laughs> so Bob Saget spoke about the sequel in May of 2021 in an interview with Kevin Hart on his podcast, Comedy Goldmines. Kevin oh, Hart yeah. praised the film's moments and innovations to which Saga replied, you want to be in the sequel? We're making it. Hart said he would do a cameo without hesitation, declaring Dirty Work to be one of his favorite movies of all time. Norm passed away four months later. Oh my God. I didn't know this. I, I didn't know this either. So there were actually was a sequel in the works. Holy shit. Yeah. God damn it. I know. Well, <sighs> if you want more heartbreak, we can go into the unfinished products projects of Farley, which is just yeah. like, ugh. okay. Chris Farley was originally cast as the voice of the title character in the film Shrek, recording uh. 85% or 95%, according to some sources, of the character's dialogue, but died just before recording was finished. The filmmakers felt continuing the film with Farley's voice would be in bad taste, so Shrek's dialogue was re-recorded by former SNL castmate Mike Myers. Have you heard the recordings? Yeah, I heard I heard snippets. Yeah. People see me and they go, Ah! Help! A big, stupid, stinky, smelly, ugly ogre! I'm so scared! they judge me before they even know me it's it's even more heartbreaking the character mm -hmm. and mike myers was great in it i thought he was really good with farley i think it would have been like a, to another level of of like almost award-winning because the character was kind of tapping into farley's own insecurities yeah it was kind of a, pro a projection whereas myers is doing kind of a character work yeah, he was doing a Scottish accent. He was doing kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of things. Yeah. Like he added little jokes in there. Like Farley, it would have been all... It could have been, I don't know, like all kind of vulnerable. and. Mm -hmm. But it was still a hit. So. Oh, whew. I, I, well, <laughs> I mean, the, over a billion, at least. Those I, things I are, Good Lord. I just wish yeah. Farley could have had that money. That's, that's a, I know. Uh, me too. At the time of his death, Farley had been in talks to co-star with Vince Vaughn in the gelfin and to star in a biographical film about comedian fatty arbuckle to be written by david mamet so that's interesting because yeah. yeah that's probably going to be a dark film the arbuckle oh my god yeah especially would, would mamet have directed it too i don't know just said to be written by but that's a fascinating what if man yeah i mean look at how good sandler is in dramatic roles right that's become his sweet spot later on as an actor. Yeah, like Punch Drunk, Je uh, Uncut Gems. Yeah, absolutely. He's great in those films. My God, yeah. Imagine Farley, Farley in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. 
are like how many how many great directors loved Chris Farley 25 years ago <laughs> and you know they would have done what these guys are doing now with their comedic heroes it would have been the same with Farley and and then there's the Brent Brendan Fraser the whale like imagine that it's Farley oh yeah of course yeah exactly it's it's breaking my brain honestly right now I can't even <laughs> well whatever's left of your brain it's about to just fall out of your ear into the sewer okay farley was slated to appear in a third ghostbusters film which was at the time intended to be about a new trio of ghostbusters taking on overpopulation in hell (laughs) i just i just scannered all over my room just i know (laughs) oh how badly i want that and the Fatty Armuckle movie. Ugh. I can't even me- measure how badly I want those. Oh my god! And I did. Did I hear that it was they were thinking of Farley and Ben Stiller as like two of the new Ghostbusters? That would be that would track because this is late <sighs> late nineties, and yep. Stiller is now becoming a thing with something about Mary. Yep. Yeah, they would have been perfect together. Talk about Yin and Yang. That's that's it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we were robbed, man. You're you're absolutely right. <sighs> The right. fact that it was Ghostbusters, I could totally see him in that universe. And just, you know, he comes from the Second City. And the best part of the original Ghostbusters is like the chemistry between the Second City guys. Yeah. Can you imagine uh. Chris Farley as a Ghostbuster? <laughs> it's like my two things using together. Ugh. Yeah. In another universe, everything would be right. I know. If those two. Oh, if those movies were allowed to be made. What was the Geffen? I don't even know what that is. I don't know. I just him and Vince Vaughn together is like, yeah, of course. All right, I'm going to give you one more. Okay. If your heart can handle all this. <laughs> Farley had been in talks for the lead in an adaptation of the novel A Confederacy of Dunces. <sighs> Farley even expressed interest in portraying a took in an adaptation of the novel The Incomparable A Took. Both of these shelved projects, along with the Arbuckle biopic, have been alleged to be cursed. As Farley, John Belushi, and John Candy were each attached to both roles, and all mm-hmm. three died before any of the films entered production. If that's remotely true, that's insane. Cursed. Oh my god. Yeah, man. Just just take that off as an option, please. Let's just put that <laughs> to bed before. Good lord. I know. I know. And it must be. I I did hear rumors that they were gonna. Attached, they were trying to do Confederacy of Dunces with Will Ferrell. Oh, really? This was in the mid 2000s. They were rumored to grab him and um, Drew Barrymore. So I'm curious, do you remember in 97 when he hosted SNL? Do you remember yes, that? Yes, I do. I really wish I could watch the whole thing. Like, I didn't watch it when it was on. I only watched, like, Netflix used to air the, the old episodes, and now it's on Peacock. Mm hmm. But they only have select episodes. I mean, not episodes, select sketches. Some of them are, he, he's okay. He, he still has that great timing. I mean, he lost his voice and he's obviously stoned and drunk out of his mind or whatever, but he still brought, he still brought it. Like he's, you could t- still tell he was bringing 110%. Like he, he did a wrestling sketch where he was El, <laughs> the personification of El Nino. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I am El Nino. The tropical storms must bow before El Nino. Yo soy El Nino. For those of you who don't habla Espanol, El Nino is Spanish for 
the Nino. I remember that one. <laughs> that one was great. Yeah, he was like trash talking with Jim Brewer, who was like another wrestler. <laughs> it was great. And then uh and then he did a Matt Foley sketch and it was pretty much what you expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there were two that I wanted to say. There was like a Mary Catherine Gallagher one where he was doing some like really hilarious dance moves. And he had a Bill Bratsky sketch. Oh. But I you know, they were cut for some reason. Oh. And I wonder if they were cut because it's more obvious that he's drunk in those, or I don't know. Now we come to the very sad part. December 18th, yeah. 1997, Farley is found dead by his younger brother, John, in his apartment in the John Hancock Center in Chicago. On a linoleum floor. Autopsy reveals that Farley had died of an overdose of a combo of cocaine and morphine. Speedball. Yeah. Just like Belushi. Ugh. Private funeral was held for Farley on December 23rd, 97 at Our Lady Queen of Peace Catholic Church in his hometown of Madison, Wisconsin. Over 500 people attended his funeral, including many comedians who had worked with him on Saturday Night Live and on films such as Dan Aykroyd, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Rob Schneider, Lauren Michaels, Al Franken, John Goodman, Bob Odenkirk, Tim Meadows, Roberts Michael, George Went, and Phil Hartman. Notably absent was Farley's best friend, David Spade. Spade's non-appearance fueled speculation that there was some falling out with Farley prior to his death. However, years later, Spade denied any ill will between him and his comedic partner, admitting that his absence from the funeral was because he would have found it too emotionally difficult. Now that is, I can't think of another instance of a celebrity who meant something to me passing away where I was emotionally invested in the idea that I needed this guy to be at the funeral. And if he wasn't at the funeral, it would make me upset. I can't mm-hmm. really compare that to any other situation. Like someone dies and then I need, to, I just need to know that he's there t- at the funeral. And if he's right. not there, how can that be? But then, but what he says makes total sense. Like it was just too, too much for him. He couldn't handle it. Right. I mean, I read the book, the Chris Farley show, and apparently like they all, tried to keep it together uh chris rock sandler um tim meadows but they they ended up just bawling their eyes out yeah yeah man it's just like my friend uh, a friend of mine th- there was that uh documentary i don't know if you saw it that came out a couple years ago called i am chris farley is it the one with uh his brothers and it's kind yeah. of yeah yeah i saw that my friend what was her name? I forget. She, I, did, I used to do comedy with her and she, she used to talk about how I used to have the same joy when I was doing comedy that Chris Farley had. Like he said, I can tell you're having as much fun as he, he, he used to. Mm. And so she, she watched that and I was, I was in LA at this point, but she texted me. It's like, after she watched it, she just goes, don't, don't ever do heroin. It's like, you're, you're, you're stepping into another category. You know, there's, there's pot, there's alcohol, and then there's cocaine. And yeah. Heroin's just like, feels seems just like it's leaps and bounds above anything that can that can destroy your life well you think about guys like farley and robin williams who like to be operating on that level emotionally and physically in order to entertain when you're not on stage how how could you be (laughs) how how do do you even out it just i I mean it's in it's still in there somewhere i guess and it just when when you hear about stories like this, people, entertainers yeah. in comedy who are really dealing with severe mental illness, 
if you just think about like what their job is, you're like, well, it, it makes total sense. Because when you're off stage, how could you possibly, where else are you going to find that high? Yeah. I mean, organically, I think people are able to deal with it much better today than they were back then. But it, but if you just break it down, like, well, what is their day to day when they're off stage? How are they going to feel complete? It makes total sense. How, it, they're, they're so, they're at such a high to come and compress. It's, it's such a 180 emotion. Right. Right. You're right. And and the only thing that can recharge those batteries is doing another show. Yeah. Right. Right. Or a movie. Or a movie. Yeah. yeah. I know. Imagine what Farley, what his show could have been, his series. You know, we got oh, 25 yeah. streaming networks now. You're going to tell me Farley isn't crushing one of them? It's just like, man, the what ifs are just it's brutal. I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. He's 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 the Kurt Cobain of comedy. It's like, man, what the hell could he have done in the yeah. past? You know, Wayne's World, Wayne's Wayne's World Two, Airheads, Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, Dirty Work. You know, if I'm making the list of '90s comedies, just like it's like we always talk about comedic sensibilities. Where what informs those? Where do those come from? But you know, I'm I'm bred of that SNL '90s era. Me too, man. I found out later that. He was supposed to be in Grown Ups and Grown Ups too in the Kevin James role. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm going to end this episode and just play <laughs> the play the Sandler tribute to him. What oh. what better way to go out than just have Sandler sing about Farley? How can you not get emotional over that oh, that tribute? It's still like one of the best tributes of all time. It's perfect. Ah, it is. I'm I'm lucky to have been alive during the era of Chris Farley. I know. I'm glad we got him. You know. Yeah. And they, he, yeah, you and I specifically, he hit us at exactly the time when we were like our comedy sensibilities were growing, and uh, he was just, he was just pure joy. You watch him, and you go, "Yeah, I want people to feel that. I want them to yeah. feel what I'm feeling watching that." Yep. And this is why I took him with my first pick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got him. <laughs> well, this is great, Dennis. Absolutely, man. This is it's always fun to talk to you. And and uh, as Jay Moore said, it's always a good day when you get to talk about Chris Farley. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. First time I saw me was sweeter than honey. Plaid jacket and belt too tight, and he wasn't even being funny. Then he cartwheeled around the room and slow danced with a cleaning lady. He was a one-man party. You know I'm talking about, I'm talking about my friend Chris Farley. <laughs> On Saturday night, my man would always deliver. Whether you was the bumblebee girl or living in a van down by the river. <laughs> he loved the bears and did good dance at Chippendales with Swayze. When they replaced his coffee with Folgers, he went full on crazy. The sexiest cap girl and me loaf in the band. Without him, there'd be no lunch lady in lunch lady land. You know I'm thinking about, thinking about my boy Chris Farley. After a show, we drink a quart of Jack Daniels, then stick the bottle right up his ass. 
But hungover as hell, that Catholic boy always showed up to morning mass. We tell them, slow down, you'll end up like Belushi and Candy. Said those guys are my heroes, that's all fine and dandy. I ain't making that stuff up, that's the truth about my boy, Chris Farley. Saw him in the office crying with his headphones on Listening to a Casey and the Sunshine Band song I said, buddy, how the hell is that making you so sad? Then he laughed and said, just thinking about my dad The last big hang we had was at Timmy Meadows' wedding party we laughed all night long, all because of Farley. But a few months later, the party came to an end. We flew out to Madison to bury our friend. Nothing was harder than saying goodbye, except watching Chris's father have his turn to cry. Hey buddy, last moved on, but you still bring us so much joy. Make my kids laugh with your YouTube clips, oh Tommy boy. Yeah. And when they ask me who's the funniest guy I ever knew, I tell them hands down without a doubt it's you. Yeah, I miss hanging out, watching you try to get laid. But most of all, I miss watching you torture Spade. You're a legend like you wanted, but I still wish you were here with me. And we were getting on a plane to go shoot Grown Ups 3. Yeah, life ain't the same without you, boy. And that's what I'm singing about. I'm singing about my boy Chris Farley. And if we make enough noise, maybe he'll hear us. Give it up for the great Chris Farley.